Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I don't care what your jersey number is. When you have that Buccaneers logo on your helmet, there's an expectation level of your play when you step out on the field. And it's whether if you were on the practice squad last week or if you've been a backup tackle or, or a backup nose guard, uh, the level of expectation doesn't change. Get out there and do something to win the game. Setting day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Detroit as they marched into Ford Field and defeat the Detroit Lions 38-17 to win their fourth game in a row and extend their record to 7-7 on the year. Finally back to 500. And I can't remember the last time the Bucs were 500 in the month of December. But this team has given us a lot of things to talk about. Of course, following the game on Sunday, a very impressive victory as well. We'll break down everything you need to know from Sunday's win. And of course, talk about some of the storylines going forward because it is a very interesting time of the year. Not only because the holidays are coming up, but just because of the situation the Bucks are in overall. A lot of key injuries in Sunday's game, which of course we'll go over. So a lot of specific things that we're paying attention to. Of course, we'll break those down for you today on the show. But welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 91. If you're new around here, I am your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me is my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan Wanish. And Evan, Pro Bowl rosters come out tomorrow. Are you ready to be pissed off for another year in a row? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean... I would expect probably three people, but only one of them is going to play. Um, so those three people, can, can you guess which three I'm thinking of? Mike Evans. Okay. Chris Godwin. Okay. And Shaq Barrett. Yep. And I don't think Chris Godwin or Mike Evans are going to end up playing. Um, just because with that hamstring, I just don't think. They probably could, 
but I just don't think they're going to feel like playing. Yeah, the, I, I think the it's Pro one Bowl. of those things it would kind of come down to if Coach feels good enough to go let them play. Because at that point, you know, you're kind of at the tail end of recovering from yeah. a pretty bad hamstring injury. And we all know hamstrings can be a little iffy. So like if, if it was an to, actual game, they would play, but I don't think. Right. If you go to Orlando to play a meaningless football game in January and you re-aggravate an injury enough to potentially sideline you for week one of the following season, I imagine it wouldn't fly. But uh, I'm always interested when Pro Bowl rosters come out because, as we know, the Pro Bowl roster is primarily voted on by the fans. Um, very different to the style of, say, the NFL Top 100 uh, which is what I think I look forward to a little bit more every single year. Yeah, but that, that, that's the players and like executives yeah. doing that. So Yeah, it, it's just interesting to see because, y- you know, I think a common theme with the Bucks we find ourselves talking about it all the time, is not so much disrespect, but um, I can't really think of the word for it. But, like, people just don't notice. You know, like, uh, mm. Defensive Player of the Year, very hot conversation right now. The three names that I see at the top of that list for some reason are Stephon Gilmore, mm-hmm. Tyron Matthew. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why he was on there either. And um, I-, I guess Aaron Donald as well. Like, I just don't yeah. – I don't know. How how can we ignore the NFL Shaq leader in, in – uh, The NFL, NFL Shaq leader. leader? Yes, yes. The <laughs> NFL Shaq leader in Sack Barrett. There you go. Warrants the name change even more now because he was able to tie that Warren Sapp franchise record on Sunday. 16 and a half on the year for him. But the fact that these Buccaneers players who are, you know, leading the league in certain statistics are not being talked about whatsoever. So with the Pro Bowl, I I guess all of that to say this, it's interesting to see those rosters come out because you see a lot of mediocre players that were fan favorites a year before and a lot of players like Shaq Barrett. And probably this year, if I had to guess a buck who's going to get snubbed, it'll be Levante David. But every single year, it's just, you know, pisses a bunch of people off because people don't recognize where where credit should be due, right? I mean, yeah, but I I think... I don't really care. Like, because yeah. I don't really care because I know, like, the fans are the ones doing it. Like, I know if it was actually voted on by people inside the NFL, it would be a lot different. So, yeah, I get you there. I think the reason I get so worked up about it is because I want a reason to go to Orlando, you know, take an hour trip and go see some Buccaneers play some football in January. Granted, it is meaningless football, but. To See, the first th- time you saw uh, January football is since 2007. So. Right, yeah. So every year it's just something I kind of pay attention to. But you're right. That's the mentality to have is who the hell cares because uh, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. But I don't know, just something I wanted to rant on. But, yeah, Pro Bowl, uh, Pro Bowl roster is going to be announced tomorrow, so keep an eye out for that. But we've got a game that we're here to talk about. And a damn good one. The Buccaneers put up 38 points in consecutive weeks this week. It's against Detroit. And a game that we should have won by 21. And they went out there and won it by 21. But I'll tell you this. For about a quarter, you kind of felt that uncertainty sink in once again. Particularly the first play of the fourth quarter where the Lions were able to close that gap and make it 31-24. to The closest it had been all day. No, it was um twenty four to seventeen. Twenty four to seventeen. My bad. But yeah, they brought it within a score, which is something they hadn't done all day since it was you yep. know seven to zero in the first five minutes of the game. So aside from that, headed into the fourth quarter, 
We had the pick six by Sean Murphy Bunting. That put the Bucks up 31-17. to Thank you for correcting me now because the timeline starts to make sense. And then you've got another key turnover after that. But overall, I would say a complete performance by this Bucks team. It felt like the run game was missing, but I liked a lot yep. of what I saw. And it's hard to sit here and break down the negatives from a win like that, especially when this team went out there and finished the way that they did. Because, you know, first play of the fourth quarter, it was 24-17. to And then the final score, of course... 38 to 17 so they didn't let their foot off the gas pedal and they took every opportunity that they had so uh, I, I'm happy with the performance what do you think overall yeah I thought I thought they played well um, offense really got off to a good start after you know the the first drive interception which is almost expected now um, that's just that that's just a thing, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't understand it. I mean, maybe he gets jitters. Like I don't know. I mean, it was a decent play by a linebacker there, but he got baited in that pretty good. Uh, when you look back on it, it kind of looked like Ronald Jones. For somebody ran the wrong route. Um, yeah, it was like you it look, was too, uh, Ronald uh, Jones too and Rashard right? Perryman. Ronald Jones and Rashard Perryman are right there. Yeah, like they're at the same spot. Like that that shouldn't happen. Um, so, I mean, but still, I, it's not like that was the reason, um, that, that it was picked off. So luckily the Bucks defense was able to overcome it, had Detroit go three and out. Detroit actually lost three yards on that drive. So, yeah. um, I mean, then that's what this defense is going to have to do. James Winston is, you know, he is what he is. He's going to turn the ball over. Like, it's just going to happen. The big thing is that this defense is going to have to bail him out. That's just like with Brett Favre. Brett Favre's defense was able to bail him out. It was a defense that was good enough that was able to not give up seven points, not give up three points, and the Buccaneers didn't give up anything right there. And that's what yeah. just needs to happen. Very next drive is a touchdown. Next yeah. drive for that touchdown. So, you know, just as long as the defense can support the the quarterback, I, I mean, I'd bet good money that, you know, Winston's going to throw more touchdowns than he is interceptions. Oh. So, um, I just think that as long as they can support him and not give up, you know, the the seven points after a turnover, they should be fine. But obviously, you want to limit the turnovers. Um, I thought the offensive line settled in after, you know, uh, they didn't really have a good day run blocking, but I thought pass blocking, they were pretty darn good. There were times um, where the pass blocking was textbook. I mean, Jameis yep. had three to five to sometimes six or seven seconds to really sit in the pocket, look around. Yeah, and, and, you know, he didn't really have to extend much. Right. Uh, he really didn't have to like extend a play or anything like that. Besides the one touchdown, Richard Perryman, um, the second one, that, that was the only one really that he had to extend and really get out. Um, but yeah, overall, like you said, just a solid win. Uh, all around, pretty good. I mean, can't really fault one group. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, just you know, if they play like that, they're gonna win a lot of football games. Now, obviously, like I said, this Lions team was three nine and one, and they were you know had a bunch of injuries, and we're starting a third string quarterback. So yeah, it's a nice win, but you're supposed to win, just like you said. You know, the Bucks won the game by twenty one, and it's a game they should have won by twenty one. So that's what you do to those teams. All right. That's the first step. Good teams beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Right now, the Bucks are. And that's that's very, very important because, you know, you can kind of say the same thing about the Jacksonville game. You look at that game in years past, 
that's a game where they just fold up and they can't make it happen and well, they lose to a team they shouldn't it, it seemed it seemed like the Detroit game was heading that way and I tweeted that and right, I said yeah. you know this is this is you know almost similar to the Jacksonville game they're up big then something happens and ja- and they start to march back it's an away game and then you know and I said but I said the only issue the only difference was which is why I was a little less confident in the Bucks this time around I said the Bucks were much healthier against Jacksonville than they are right now against Detroit and it's true um, and then I also, after the pick six, I said, and just like the Jacksonville game, Sean Murphy Bunding comes up with a big interception. So, yeah, it really, really was something to behold. That Sean Murphy Bunting pick six, I'm sure you've heard it talked about. Shades of Rondé Barber in that pick six <laughs> against Philly. I mean, you kind of look at it side by side. Sean Murphy Bunting did a really good job of recognizing the route. He jumped the route, which was an out route to Danny Amendola, which they had called a few times before. He was able yeah. to recognize it. He tracked the Lions quarterback the entire play and was able to jump the route, had daylight ahead of him. Yep. And it was well, what, 80-yard, 70-yard pick six? Yeah, it was 70 yards, I think. Okay. Um, they didn't really do like that much of those quick outs in the first half. Right. Uh, but they were really doing it once they got into a rhythm. I guess that's when Murphy Bonting really started to pick up on it. Um, so one big thing, I want to give the defense a lot of credit. And I think, you know, Scott Reynolds put this in his two-point conversion on pewterreport.com, and I, I agree with it. The Bucks' defense kind of got overlooked in this win. I, I think they were a lot better than people give him credit for, because all they want to talk about is the fantastic performance from Jameis Winston in the offense. Through, you know, this is from a tweet from Trevor Sekema. Through one quarter of action in Detroit. Now I know that Detroit was down two starting linemen and a wide receiver and their tight end and running back. But, I mean, come on. <laughs> like... The Bucks' total yards was 236. In one quarter, the Lions' total yards, can you guess? Two. One. One. So they had one total yard in the first quarter. That is fantastic. And, you know, obviously you're not going to hold. It ain't going to happen again this year. You're not going to hold another team to one yard in the first quarter. Right. Um, you're also not going to get 236 yards in one quarter. So you brought up the defense. And you kind of brought up how they are the unsung heroes of this victory. What I want to do is kind of, before we forget, we usually kick off the reaction show with our thing called the Stats Recap. Um, I still wanted to jump into that, but let's jump into it right now. And let's bring up the defense, because I actually did have the Buccaneers defense. We'll start with them, and then we'll kind of transition into the other people who, of course, play offense. But uh, the Bucs defense, let's continue to talk about it. For the unit as a day, they had two sacks. One forced fumble, two interceptions, and one touchdown, of course, off of the pick six from Sean Murphy Bunting, which pretty much called game. Just like you said, I think it wasn't as flashy as the Jameis Winston personal best for the second week in a row performance, but they went out there and they did their job and they did it extremely well because I know we talked about coming into the game, winning the turnover battle is going to be everything, and that's exactly what it came down to. You force three turnovers... It's going to be hard to lose that game. I, I mean, I don't know. I think they had a really, really good performance. Again, it wasn't nearly as flashy, but those turnovers are nice. And um, they did have only two sacks on the day. And I feel like there were some times where a pass rush needed to show up a little bit more. I think we had five or six sacks that they just kind of got away from them on. Uh, and credit to David Blau, by the way. He's really, really good at scrambling out of the pocket when he needs to. Um, so I think he just did a He's good job He's just not good at throwing the ball. 
Exactly. Yeah. He, um, Dude, some of his some of his passes were bad, man. They, like they were. Some some of them, I was like, oh, that's just a bad throw. Well, the uh, the Andrew Adams interception in particular comes yep. to mind because I mean he just overthrew the hell out of his receiver, and Andrew yep. Adams was there to cradle it and take it home for sixty plus yards on the return, but of course came back due to an illegal block what a in the backfield. Tacky penalty. That was so I... weird, man. It uh. was Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, they kind of ruled it illegal block in the back, like a blindside block, but there was nothing to that. Like It, it was an offensive lineman going, he, he flew in the air five yards. An offensive lineman is not going to do that. He flopped that thing, man. Right, yeah. And JPP, another name on there, he was... Kind of a non-factor on Sunday. I think for the first time in a long time. Did he only finish with one or two tackles? Yeah, he well, he negated uh, Levante David Pick, too, which yeah. a lot of people said, like, oh, he negated that. I think Blau kind of knew that it was offsides, so that's why he threw that ball. Yeah. If you look, that's a triple coverage that he threw it into. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Blau kind of knew. So, yes, it was negated, the Levante David Pick, but I don't think it would have mattered. Yeah. Now, a couple of other guys on the stats recap will go over on the defensive side of the ball for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, the hometown hero, Mr. Sean Muffy Bur- uh, Murphy Bunting. <laughs> Jeez, man, I'm really out of it today. His stat line on the afternoon, eight tackles, one interception, and of course, one touchdown. Uh, we kind of talked about the pick six earlier. He was able to jump the quick out route for Danny Amendola. He read it 100% and was able to take it to the crib and call ball game. Really, really good game for the rookie. Yep. And I think if I've got to pick a rookie who is most improved this year, it'd probably be SMB. Only yep. because I remember at the beginning of the year, he was 50-50. You know, he had his moments. He didn't get on the field. Right. But when he did, you know, there were a lot of times where we talked about he just looked a little lost out there. And uh, I think now he's finally settling into that role. You got Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, who, by the way, have been some really, really good statistical cornerbacks these past few weeks. Um, everybody's getting into a groove, and I think SMB is finding his place. He's looking pretty solid these past few weeks. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and also, just a little little stat here. So, Sean Murphy Bunting has played 13 games, I believe. I, I believe 13 games with the Bucks. I won't quote that you on that. Uh, that he's actually played in, I think. Um, obviously, it's more than 13 games played on the season, but he has more interceptions, three, than Vernon Hargreaves had in his entire career, which is two. So um, so he's got more interceptions than in his rookie season, plus a pick six, and Vernon Hargreaves has two interceptions, one for a pick six that was this year. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just funny how that works out. Um, now, the one thing I will say about the cornerbacks – I was going to tweet this last night, just forgot. So I, I hope that the, the success of these cornerbacks is great. And for the long-term success, they're going to need these guys to be good. But I hope this this late surge doesn't stop them from adding a veteran to the group. Right. Because I still think they, they need one, man. I mean, you got to look at the teams that you're going up against. Yeah, Atlanta has a... a pr- Pretty decent offense. Um, but, I mean, you play Jacksonville. Their offense isn't great. You played a rookie, Kyler Murray, um, who the secondary did not play well against either way. Uh, Drew Brees lit you up. 
Um, and then you played, you know, David Blau and the Lions and Jacoby Brissett lit you up. So I definitely think they still need a veteran in there. Oh, I, yeah. I do believe that they're on the right track with all three of these guys. But I think they need that that type of guy. Just I don't know who it is. I'm not going to give any names right now. But it's not it doesn't even have to be a high profile guy. But they, they need somebody that's been there and done that. And, and right now they don't have it. So I, I hope that. They don't look at this, you know, these last four or five games and go, oh, we don't need to address the cornerback position that you absolutely do. No, I was um, I was just thinking about this today, too. I'm actually surprised you brought it up because, um, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, man, is like people are starting to say that, yeah, the secondary is finding its groove. People are settling in, which is what I just said like five minutes ago. Um, but I'll contradict myself here and say that uh, there definitely is a veteran presence still needed back there because while Carlton Davis is coming into his own, Jamel Dean looking really, really good, um, it's just not enough experience back there. And while the communication between all of these guys has gotten better, I imagine it can be even better with a veteran back there. Just like you said, doesn't have to be an all-star, doesn't have to be a big name, just someone who's been there, done that, knows his role, and can get in there and help these young guys get even more organized than they are now. Because while they are looking much better, uh, there's a lot of times where they're not looking that great. I can think of a few touchdowns against the Lions that show us just that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on the secondary. Still needs to be addressed, and we'll see what happens in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, they, they played well. They didn't play perfect. There was, there was two deep balls that were just complete breakdowns right yeah. which allowed the lions to get down there so um i you know like i said i thought they played well but yet again i mean they're not going up like this week against the texans which is on saturday guys just for a little yeah, bit of do, reminder do not forget the buccaneers play on saturday so it is a short game week um yep. I, I still think we got the game preview coming out on thursday though so be looking for that yeah um so uh they're gonna be tested this week because uh, they got two guys coming into town that are the real deal. DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So this is a much better offense. This is probably the best offense that you're going to face in the last you know five, six games. So yeah. we'll, we'll see if they can step up to the challenge here. And this is a Houston team that's very, very bipolar. Um, uh, very. They got yeah. blown out by Denver. and then I mean, they beat New England. Got blown yeah. up by Denver and yeah. won a big game in Tennessee. Like, come on. Absolutely. But I think the the uh, the common theme with them is that this offensive team, they always do find ways to be productive. And, again, the guys you just brought up, Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, the best wide receiver in the league, and then Deshaun Watson, who's really shaping in to be one of the elite top-tier quarterbacks as well. Um, it'll be an offensive explosion for sure. So these guys are going to have to try their best to keep up because it's a big, big test. But let's wrap, uh, let's wrap up the stats recap. Let's focus on the offensive side of the ball after these next few guys, and then we'll break down a little bit more from this game, because we have a ton of talk, uh, ton to talk about and not that much time to do it. So, a few more names on the stats recap. We got Shaq Barrett, four tackles, one assist, and one sack. Now, the reason he's yep. on here today is because, yeah, he helped us get a sack, but... That sack officially ties Warren Sapp's franchise record of 16 and a half. It's time to break the record. He's got two games left. I think he smashes the record by two. He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna. I think he's gonna get a sack this week. I'm excited, man. I really wanted to. I really wanted him to get it second half of the game against the Lions. I don't know. I think times. it would kind of be cool. I think no, I don't know. I think it'd be cool for him to get it in Tampa. That's true. That is true. Yeah, these next two games are home games. It would be cool to get him in Tampa. That'll probably the 
that moment will probably be the biggest pop in Raymond James the entire season, I think. When they flash it up on the Titantron and it says Ooh. Shaq Barrett has surpassed Warren Sapp Ooh. for a brand new franchise record of sacks in a season. Come on, man. When's the last time the Buccaneers have seen a pass rusher this dominant? Dominant enough to just shatter a record that's been in place for about 15 years. I, I mean, you know, that you, would you're get probably me excited. You're probably going to want to end the show after this, but you know what the biggest pop in Ray J's year was? What? The Giants fans after celebrating Matt Gaysman's field goal. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the uh, podcast. Um, <laughs> had, to, had to bring it in. And if they win that game, right now they're still in the playoff hunt. So. Stop it. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I, I, know, I know for a fact that you've gotten on to me before about focusing on the hypotheticals and I try so hard not to do it, but you're 100%. Hey, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it just to bust on you. That, that'll, be, that'll be the last time I say anything about it until, like, <sighs> until like like late off season or whatever. I'll just here's, casually bring it up. So. Here's the thing, too. I was talking to my buddy Will about it. And Will, by the way, part of the Johnny B Show on 102.5 The Bone. And you can listen every Monday night at 10 p.m. for the weekly Bucks break. It is myself, Johnny B, Will, and Anna Hummel talking everything about the Buccaneers and their four-game win streak tonight. It'll be a fun one. But anyways, I was talking to my buddy Will, and he said, you know, if they go out there and they beat Houston this week, people are going to be talking about that Giants game until next summer. Oh, yeah. Until until they make the playoffs. Right. It's just something that, again, as Bucs fans... We get on I mean, people. Come on now. If if you if they go out, they beat the Texans and they beat the Falcons. Let's say the Vikings end up nine and seven, but the and the Bucks end up nine and seven, but the Vikings win the tiebreaker. The Bucks are a Matt Gay made field goal away from being in the playoffs. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, and that's what's so damn frustrating about it. And I don't want to focus about it any longer. I don't. I I, I don't. I don't. So let's wrap up the stats recap before I start crying, and um. Let's get into some other things that are going to make me cry about this Bucks team this week. So, two more guys on the stats recap on the defensive side of the ball before we talk about the offense. Levante David, seven tackles, one assist, and one forced fumble. Levante David. He also killed a guy. So yeah, he was dude. He was collecting bodies on Sunday. <laughs> like I, some people in Lions uniforms must have owed him money or something because he was out here taking people's heads. And uh, he was just playing Levante David brand of football, and it was good to see for yet another week in a row. That guy is consistent and best linebacker in the NFL. Can't change my mind here. Mm. Now, another guy on the defense that claims. I want to... I'm actually surprised you named DeAndre Hopkins the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, yeah, well, the best wide receiver in the NFL currently has, has a uh, severely pulled hamstring and hasn't seen the Scotty field. Miller. Yeah, Scotty Miller. Um <laughs> Another guy on the defense that I want to give a quick shout-out to. I feel like he hasn't gotten all the credit in the world, but that's Will Golston, man. From Detroit, he had himself a day. The homecoming game for everybody. Yeah, his stat line for Will Golston wasn't huge. Three tackles, two of those being tackles for loss. But the first play of the game, man, he just beat the gap and blew up uh, the Detroit running back in the backfield, whose name I forget, but he was having a day as well. Yeah. Something Hill. But, um... Yes, yeah, so uh, I was always like, yeah, I don't know. Will Golston had a good day, so I wanted to give him a quick shout. Now let's go to the offensive side of the ball and point out some primetime players for the Buccaneers. Let's start with Jameis Winston. We almost have to. We brought him up a little earlier in the show. Say the same thing we do every single week. He's that Brett Favre, needs a defense to bail him out. He can play yep. well. But uh, really, really good stat line for Jameis Winston this week. And 
maybe the best game of his season. I don't know. But mm. 28 for 42 passing, 458 yards, a personal record that beats his previous personal record set last week against the Colts. Four touchdowns and one interception, which came on the first drive of the game. Uh, for me, this game all but confirms that he'll be in red and pewter next season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, also setting a record for the first quarterback ever to have back-to-back 450-plus yard games. Jameis is going to be a buck next year, regardless of how these last two games go or not. Because not only did he go out there and play one of the best games of his career, he did it with a broken thumb. So, I feel confident about this guy's playing ability. I think the turnovers are still something that can be fixed. Not severely to the point where he's going to throw less than 10 or 15 a year, because we talked about that before. The style of player Jameis is, the style of offense that this team runs, it's just not fair to expect him to not throw 10. You know, I I think 10 is a reasonable number. That's going to be the over every single year for him. But I think um, I think it should be set at like 14, 15. Yeah, I I think this time next year, he's got about 17, 19 interceptions somewhere around there. Yeah. What do you think? I think that's fair. I I don't think he's going to throw as many next year. Yeah. Um, Just because familiarity with the offense. And also, like, I mean, I brought this up on Twitter like two hours ago or so. He's had a few like just unlucky breaks. Uh, oh, OJ Howard, OJ OJ Howard has single handedly caused two of them. Yeah. Um. So I just think with you eliminate the some of those, and I yeah I think it's just it, it has to go down. So yeah, absolutely. But I mean, played great. Yeah, he did, and it's uh kind of like we said with Levante David, Jameis Winston, just playing his brand of football. Um, oh, BA that's said, definitely his brand of football. B.A. said it in the press conference. He's like, you know, we came out, had the uh, interception on the first drive. Let's just get that shit out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're ready to go. That's exactly what he said, too. Yep. And um, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that when I watched the press conference. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's got those moments where you kind of are like, oh, my God, did I just hear what I think I did? And damn right you did because it's Bruce Arians. But, uh, yeah, pretty entertaining. And overall, a really good day for Jameis Winston. Now, Let's move on to another guy to wrap up our stats recap who had himself a career day. That was number 19, Brashad Perryman. His stat line for the day, five receptions, 113 yards, and three touchdowns. Did you know Brashad Perryman's father was a Detroit Lion? Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, me, and my, me and my dad were actually talking about it during the game. And, uh, like, I, I didn't know he played for the Lions, but... Um, that my dad brought it up, and then the Fox infographic showed it. So it was very interesting. Yeah, definitely. But a very appropriate setting and uh, team against for Brashad well, Perryman. To- you want to talk about another guy just secured his spot. I think that guy just secured his spot next year. Yeah, I think so too. And you know I'd give what? him the same deal. I'd give him the same deal. One year, $4 million. I'd give him the same deal. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I think we need to kind of take a deep breath here. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, collectively as Bucks fans, Evan, maybe you too. Maybe. I think we all owe Rashad Perryman an apology. I, I, I've i never been more happy to be so wrong about a player because I know that myself and 99% of people who listen to this show, before the deadline for the compensatory pick, Everybody wanted him gone. A fourth-round pick looked so much better than this guy. Yep. But 
Now he's the reason they're winning football games. Now he's the reason they're winning football games. In the absence of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who also went down after having himself quite the uh, quite a day, day against Detroit, he's out with the season with a pulled hamstring. Not confirmed, but I'm I'm pretty damn sure he's out. Probably with the same season. with Scotty Miller too. Yeah, same with Scotty Miller. We'll talk. Even about though the Miller's hamstring. looked a lot less serious. Yeah, but we'll talk about the hamstrings here in a second. Actually, that's what I wanted to bring up next. But Brashad Perryman, uh, we owe you an apology. And um, I, I know for a long time I wanted him gone, and he's finally proving his worth, and he's shown me that he deserves to be on this football team next year. And B.A. was asked about it, and he honestly said, like, I'm surprised it took so long. Like, maybe it's because Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were having the years that they were that he kind of got overshadowed, but there were a lot of times where he had that opportunity and he just wasn't able to make it happen. But these yeah. past few weeks, he's really, really looked good. And, uh, again the best game of his career played against the Lions, really really leaning on him to be that number one guy going forward because uh, he's all we got left. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, also, I'm just going to do, before we get into the next thing here, um, just a quick shout-out to you know somebody who no fans will want to give any credit to for some reason, I guess, because um, I actually don't know why. Uh, quick shout-out to Jason Light for not cutting him. And, and believing in Brashad Perryman because had you listened to the fans, Brashad Perryman would have been off this team and they probably wouldn't have got the same production uh, right. out of somebody else right now. So uh, Jason Light turned in a pretty impressive offseason. Um, so it's looking. Guy's a leading sack leader in the NFL. Uh, signed Brashad Perryman, stuck with him. He's now helping him win football games. Uh, you know, um, Ryan Jensen, who he acquired two off seasons ago, has looked much better. Uh, you know, picked up Andrew Adams again. He's looked decent. Uh, you know, the the rookie corners, the Dominican Sue's been okay. Um, Devin White has been really good. So I mean, a, a lot of credit. And, and uh, like I said, uh, finding Matt Gay. Um, a lot of people don't want to give Jason Light a lot of credit, and I guess it's because like they think he's the worst, which I don't know why, because they could do far worse. Uh, <laughs> but but really, it's a credit to the job he's done, and you know he'll be back next year, as will most people. So yeah, absolutely. That yeah. that draft uh, that draft class in particular is really starting to shape up to be a really really solid one. Um, you know, you cut uh, I the mean, guy and, that you and, drafted in the last and the, round. And the one before that, Vea, you know? I mean, yeah. he's yeah. turned into a force, so. Absolutely. Things are really starting to come together. And just like you said, credit goes out to Jason Light because um, he did a good job this past offseason. And he'll probably be here next offseason to uh, hopefully do another good job. So we'll have to see what happens. But I, I think he's no doubt secured his spot here in Tampa for at least another year or two. But let's focus on this next issue comes from the game in a, in a great win let's not discount a great win 38 to 17 went out there and played great played your asses off but the tampa bay buccaneers as a team have pulled a hamstring like uh, for the sure bucks have lost four players to hamstring injuries in two weeks those four players are mike evans chris godwin scotty miller and jordan whitehead chris godwin scotty miller and jordan whitehead all left sunday's game against the lions with hamstring injuries yeah now, the wind feels great, but the Bucs are left in quite the hole at the wide receiver position. Now, losing Jordan Whitehead's going to hurt as well because I really like him. I think he's having a great year, and uh, he's really shaping up to be a good player. But the wide receiver position in particular 
You know, this is a position that we were boasting the depth of not even two weeks ago because we lost Mike Evans and we're like, all right, Chris Godwin can step up. You still got some pieces there. Justin Watson, Rashad Perryman, yeah. Scotty Miller can get more involved. And then uh, boom, boom, boom. You can only boast the depth so much. Right. Like now you're just kind of left in a spot where we talked about it earlier. Brashad Perryman is your number one. Mm-hmm. So they did sign Benny Schnell. That's some Buccaneers news that came out today. Benny Schnell, you might remember him from the preseason. He was pretty good. But you're still left with a scattered wide wait, wait, wait. His name's not Benny, is it? Yeah, Benny Schnell. No. Yeah. No. Are you it's thinking been, of Blake been, Snell? Ben- no, Benny Snell is a Spencer Snell. That's it. Spencer Benny Snell? Benny Benny Snell is a Steelers running back. Oh, you know what? Actually, okay, yeah, my bad, my bad. Um, I guess that shows how much I really like the guy. No, but Spencer Snell, <laughs> I I like Spencer Snell. Like I, I he had I, that I, monster game against Pittsburgh in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah, I really did like what he was putting onto the product, and you know we kind of know going into the season, Bobo Wilson was chosen over him to take that last wide receiver spot, and Bobo's no longer here. So uh, Schnell was able to get the phone call before Bobo did, and that's why he's getting this opportunity now. But I'm excited to see what he can do. With all of that being said, you know you lose all well, these players. Also, I'm not sure if he's on the roster, but uh, Bobo Wilson was picked up by the Panthers practice squad, so maybe that's why. Oh, yeah, that's true as well. I do remember that news coming out, I think, last week. But, um, you know, you're left with a scattered wide receiver core. You lost Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, a rookie who was getting more involved and did have a touchdown against the Lions. Um, You know, he was looking more impressive, but the pieces are still there. You've got O.J. Howard who I wish they would have used a little more on Sunday. I don't know why a simple crossing route wouldn't have gotten them, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards. O.J. Howard, Cam Brate, who can still catch passes like nobody's business. Brashad Perryman, who has stepped it up. Uh, Justin Watson, who we've seen get a little more involved. But let's talk about this wide receiver position for a second. Like, how do you feel moving forward? Do you think the majority of the games played or, or left on the shoulder of the defense? Because... I think this offense can find ways to be productive, but, I mean, we know that this team excels through throwing the ball. Yeah. You don't have a running game still, and you're missing just about every weapon you had on offense. You, you still have pieces there. Don't get me wrong. That's what I mentioned, but I, I don't yeah. know. I kind of worry about the Texans game a little bit more now because mm-hmm. of it. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I, I don't see a way they beat this Texans team. Uh, I just, I personally just don't think the Bucks are going to have the horses to to match up with this Texans team. Right. Um, I just don't think they're going to be able to, just because of what you said. I mean, they're mostly, they say they're running football team, but they throw the ball a bunch. And, I mean, there's just not enough. <laughs> there's just not enough against a Texans defense that isn't the best, but is certainly good enough. Well, and and they, then, even, they even got called out by it, um, by Mark Schlereth and Dick Stockton. You know, at, at halftime, Bruce Arians had told the reporter, yeah, we're going to really come out and try and run more the second half. And in the booth, they were like, that's a bunch of malarkey. Like, you <laughs> you look at the success this Bucks team has had on offense. It's not by running the ball. And we'll talk about the run game next. But um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just wanted to point that out because it's pretty obvious this is a throw-first team. Yeah, so I just think, yeah, they're going to – the recipe for them to to win this game is not one that's likely. Here it is. They're going to have to to really run the ball well. They're going to have to protect the football. 
like no turnovers or just one. And the defense is going to have to have two to three takeaways. Like that that's how they're going to have to win this game. I just don't see how they're going to put up enough points to be able to match what the Texans are going to be able to do. Right. I, I think and I mean, be... it's, it's a shame because I think if they were at full strength, I think they would be able to, but I just don't think. No, I, I get you, man. You look at the pieces that are available following the game, some key injuries, and kind of like you said, I think they'll be outpaced. But, of course, we just have to see what happens because if the defense shows up and has themselves one hell of a day, it could be a very different narrative because the Texans are a team that, you know, they can show up one way and leave looking another. So we'll have to see what happens, but I'm sure we'll break that down a little bit more on this week's game preview episode. Uh, do we have a guest for that show on Thursday? We may. We may. We'll see. Okay. All right. No, I'm not not gonna not gonna be a spoiler here. So. No. No. Okay. All right. Gonna be a little bit of a surprise. Okay. Well, definitely stay tuned for that Thursday game preview show. It'll be a really good one. And actually, the last show that we'll be doing um, live in studio, quote unquote, because I will actually be traveling for the holidays. I'll be up in Tennessee the last two weeks of the season. So, um, so yeah, that Thursday show will be our last one with uh, some decent production value until the new year. <laughs> but um, definitely stay tuned for that. Now, focusing back on the game from Sunday, there's a few more things I want to talk about, and then we can get out of here. The run game. Let's follow up the pieces on offense with the Buccaneers having to establish the run. They have yet to do that efficiently this year. They've had a few games where, yeah, the stat lines look pretty good. Ronald Jones, uh, the Rams game in particular, comes into mind where he was running the ball really well. But ever since then, it just seems like it hasn't been there. Now, with the run game on Sunday, I think a lot, uh, I think a lot of it can be attributed to the offensive line not really putting together anything for uh, the run block game. But mm-hmm. let me say this. I'm I'm overall happy with uh, with load management regarding our running backs on Sunday because you are. I, I, I thought I thought you were going to come on here and complain about it. Well, honestly. here's the thing: I've come on here and I've complained about it for the past six weeks. Um, I I pretty much got what I've been asking for. Uh, it, Rojo got consistent carries. I saw him more than I saw Peyton Barber or Dario Gimbawale for that matter. Uh, There really was nothing doing. There was a point in the game where the Buccaneers were at their own one-yard line, and they used Peyton Barber to get them out of that situation, which I like. I like Peyton Barber being used in that capacity as opposed to Ronald Jones, for instance. Um, You know, they kind of had it where Barber was used at the goal line situation. Rojo was given consistent chances throughout the game. Peyton Barber was brought in to clean up and chew clock at the end of the game. It was somewhat what I've been asking for. So I will take a break from my complaining this week to say, while the run game didn't get going at all, I got what I've been looking for. I I got Peyton Barber being used how Peyton Barber should be used and Ronald Jones being given the chances and consistent carries drive after drive that I've been looking for. So um, while it sucked, and at the end of the day, the Bucs still don't have a run game, um, I I saw what I wanted to see. Um, See, I just, I don't know. I'm called, I'm I don't want to say they don't have a run game. I may sound like an idiot for even saying that, but I just feel like they're not creative enough with their run game. I think that's the issue. Okay. That's fair. You have Ronald Jones, a guy with a, like a really good speed and you, you know I mean you don't run anything creative with the guy. Um I mean you, everything's up right up the middle and you're expecting him to make a cut or something and 
There, there is no, you know, there are no sweeps. There are no tosses. I mean, there's just, there, there's very rarely any draws except for on a third down. It's just, right. there's very little creativity with, with run plays. And to be fair, on the same hand, let me throw this in there as well. I think the Lions did a really, really good job of anticipating the run. Yeah. Um, yep. I think their defense, you know, they clamped down. They were stuffing gaps left and right. There really was nothing. Well, once they got down 21 to nothing, you could tell that, and they said, like, Patricia, like, chewed them out or whatever. Right. That, that definitely changed something because they played better after that. Right. Um, I, I see what you're saying, though. Like, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I think they're not creative enough. Um, we've talked about countless times, you know, throw five to seven screen. Well, throw five screens to Rojo a game. Right. And I guarantee yep. you one of those is going to get you a first down, if not maybe two or three. Um, so yeah, I 100 percent see what you're saying. I think you're right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, following up on the run game, let's talk about the offensive line. This is really the last thing I've got to say about the game. Um, pretty up and down day for the offensive line. I, I think they're had their moments. I think overall with what they had, we kind of talked about the puzzle piece together, um, things like that. But uh, let me just notice really quick the overall toughness of a guy named Ryan freaking Uh, Jensen. Early in the game, we watched him fall to the ground. He was clutching his left arm. And I saw it, and I immediately was like, oh, I I was actually watching our buddy James, Mr. Bucks Nation. I was watching his live stream. And before the play was over, I was like, Jensen's hurt really bad. Like, this this is going to suck ass because t- who are they going to bring into play center? We saw it was going to be Earl Watford, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be terrible. So he falls to the ground. He's clutching his left arm. The camera pans over. He's back up, walking to the sideline with a trainer. And there's a point where he turns around, and he, like, screams at the trainer. And everybody's like, all right, like, he's pissed off. You know what I mean? He's mad. He's screaming at the trainer. So the Bucks burn a quick timeout as Jameis is taking practice snaps from Earl Watford. You see Ryan Jensen standing next to them just yelling at everybody. Like, he's pissed. He's so mad. And then Jensen, like, moves Earl Watford out of the way, walks back into the huddle, and didn't miss a beat following that play. Yep. Later on in the game, you saw his arm really heavily taped up. He still had his uh, brace on or whatever. But He's going to be on the injury report this week. Ryan Jensen is the definition of a football guy. And I think for him to go out there and do that, not only set the tone for a lot of people playing for the Bucs, but it set the tone overall for that offensive line. Because I, I don't think in a million years I would have ever seen Evan Dietrich Smith fall on the ground clutching his arm. And then 45 seconds later, just come back and play the rest of the football game. That is a mental toughness that I hope is rubbing off on some of the other guys on that line. I mean, Alex Kappa, earlier this year against the Rams, broke his freaking arm and finished the game. No, it was against the Saints, I believe, yeah. Uh, Okay, against the Saints. But... This toughness, man, like you, you have to commend that. There's well, that's no why that's why Jason that. Light drafted Kappa, and and that's why Jason Light went after Ryan Jensen. Like yeah. he, he just he loved that toughness out of those two. Absolutely. Now, on the other hand of the offensive line, um, <laughs> Donovan Smith was inactive for the first game of his career. Now, with him being inactive, Josh Wells was tasked mm-hmm. with filling in at left tackle on Sunday, and it didn't take long for people to notice that Donovan Smith wasn't playing. Um, on the first drive of the game, 
Josh Wells committed two consecutive penalties, a holding penalty, and then a block in the back penalty, which, to be fair, that was another one of those that was kind of weird. Yeah. Now, that pushed Tampa Bay back to a second and 23, and then the next play would be the Jameis Winston interception. Um, You know, we kind of talked about the run game that wasn't able to get going as well, but uh, I don't know. For the offensive line, just up and down game. You know, they had their moments. He, they only, they he only settled in well, though, I thought. I, yeah, and that's what B.A. said, actually, is that these guys – actually, I think you said it at the beginning of the show. Jesus. Um, these guys settled in with what they had. Like, they looked a little more comfortable than one would expect from, um, you know, from a team that's missing their solid, consistent left tackle. Um, so I think overall we kind of do have to commend them for the day that they had. While it was up and down, uh, you got to take notice because those guys did what they could with what they had, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, it didn't start out good for Wells. And I tweeted, I said, it's going to be a long day with 72 in there. But um, like I said, he really rebounded well and, and played pretty well the rest of the game. So Absolutely. hopefully Donovan Smith is back. I would expect him to probably be back. But like I said, I would expect Jensen, Ryan Jensen to show up on that injury report at some point this week. So. <laughs> Definitely, man. But big shout-out to Ryan Jensen and the rest of the offensive he's on, line. I'm for, sure he's hurting a lot more now than he was on game day. On game day, your, right. adrenaline, your adrenaline's pumping, everything like that. Yeah. Now, next day, I'm sure you're probably hurting a good bit. Oh, yeah. We'll have to see what the deal is with him. But uh, either way, very, very okay game by the offensive line. But Ryan Jensen in particular, man, one of my favorite players to watch on this team. And uh, that mental toughness, you really want to hope that that's wearing off. Now, before we wrap up and get out of here, I want to ask you, is there anything else that you really noticed about this game or just this team in general moving forward um, that people should be taking notes on? I mean, this is another a different way to win. Um, yeah, they went up big, and and they needed, you know, Jacksonville, they were up two scores when Murphy Bunting got the interception. It wasn't obviously it wasn't a pick six. But this time they're only up one score, and Bunting gets the pick six. So it's just they're just finding a new way to win, and um, it, it's really it's really nice to see. Now I understand that they're I'm gonna be for you know if you watch the show, listen to the show, you know that I'm gonna be the first one to tell you like you know this team ain't going to the Super Bowl. Um, they beat a bad Lions team. Like you should have beat a bad Lions team, but. It's important to get these wins now because you're you're finding out that you can win, and now you're at 500. You have a chance to go over 500. Um, it's a big step, and you know you're two. You have two more wins this, uh, now than you did last year and the year before that. So it, it is. It's a big step, and um, hopefully, you know, momentum can carry over into the next season. Because obviously, if you start the next season 0 and 4, 0 and 5 doesn't matter what you did this season so basically you know you're hoping that it can really carry over so absolutely and i think uh kind of tagging off of what you said overall this team is finding different ways to win they're beating teams that they should be beating and right now they've put together a really nice looking four game win streak but i think regardless of how these next two games go i think regardless of how next week's game go let me say that uh because the last game is kind of important and i think my opinion shifted on that a little bit but regardless of how next week goes, 
I still think that this team being put together by Bruce Arians is really going to impress some people next year. Um, definitely not Super Bowl contenders, just like you said. But who knows, man? This time next year, we could be talking about the Buccaneers in postseason competition for the first time since we started the damn show. And uh, I'm just really, really excited about everything that's going on right now. I think we know that Jameis Winston is our quarterback next year. I think there's a lot of pieces here that can put together a very, very impressive Bucks team. A Bucks team who, on the same hand, should be, you know, ten win- or uh, eight wins right now. But, th- of course, you can't change that. Because um, of why? Uh, there's a few reasons. There's a few reasons. I mean, let's Oh, there's, there's a bunch of reasons. They, they could have ten wins at this point right now. They could. They I mean, you, you, could. New York game, that's eight. Tennessee game, it's nine. Seattle game, it's ten. Seattle game, it's, it's hard for me to count the Seattle game 100%. I know. Because it's, but it's overtime and it's a coin flip, though. Like, right. That's why I think you can count that either way. Absolutely. No, you're 100% right. And, uh, you know, I hate to sit here and focus on the hypothetical, but there isn't a year that we've been able to do this like this year. Because just like we brought up, you're one game away. And... Overall, I'm very, very happy with the improvements that we've seen from this Bucks team this season. They have improved a ton, and right now they are giving us the most content that we can talk about all year in the middle of a four-game win streak. So let's hope they can keep things intact as they play the Texans on Sunday. We'll break down that game a little bit more for you on this Thursday's game preview show with maybe a guest. I don't know. we got to see if we really feel like it. And um, ladies and gentlemen... That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video on YouTube.com and, of course, Bucks Report as well. Got to give a big shout-out to our sponsors at Pinecrest Printing and Signs, and I'm going to pull their picture up for you right here so you can take a look at that beautiful Cannon Fire Podcast merchandise available right now. They've got red shirts. They've got black shirts. They've got stickers as well. All of those can be purchased through any of our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us all there at Cannon Fire Podcast. Send us a message if you're interested in buying one of those kick-ass shirts as a perfect holiday gift. And then, of course, you can always send us an email, cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com. If you want your voice to be heard and you want to talk on the show, you want to weigh in on something we've talked about, do it, man. I encourage you 100%. And we've been getting some emails in, so very, very lucky and grateful for you people sending us emails. Keep doing that, and thanks for kicking ass. But before we go, got to give a shout-out to our friends at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. We brought up the merchandise. It would not be possible without the fine folks at Pinecrest Printing. Now, do you have an image for your business? Well, they're going to make sure they have you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with quality marketing solutions for today's industry. You can give them a call, 813-684-5444, or you can check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. One last thing before we go, you can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. You can follow my co-host, Mr. Evan Wanish, on Instagram and Twitter at BucksWave, and also on Twitter at EvanNFL. Evan, before we wrap things up here, my man, any last words? Nope, got nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, really. <laughs> holiday, holidays are coming up, so get get your CFP shirts. Yeah, get your CFP shirts. I know that you haven't done your holiday shopping because I haven't either. So a perfect gift for anyone who is a Bucks fan is, of course, a Cannon Fire Podcast t-shirt or a pack of stickers. Look, you get a shirt, we'll give you some stickers for free. But ladies and gentlemen, I am Rhett Matthew. 
Signing off for Evan Wanish. And as always, we'll talk to you next time. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.